0: Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. He is going to do in our lives. Let me call your attention once again to the book of Micah, chapter number 6. Micah, chapter number 6. We'll be dealing with the latter portion of this chapter, dealing with verse number 9 down through uh, verse number 16. But in reading this morning, I want to pick up in verse number 8, because we're going to see how that God uses verse number 8 to transition to what he's covering in verse number 9 down through verse number 16. So we'll pick up in verse number 8. The Bible said, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Then he goes on to deal with the unjust dealings <clears throat> of Israel and also the punishment of these unjust dealings. Verse number nine, the Bible said, the Lord's voice crieth unto the city and the man of wisdom shall see thy name. Hear ye, the rod, and who hath appointed it? Are there yet the treasures of wickedness in the house of the wicked? And the scant measure what is abominable. Shall I count them pure with the wicked balances and with the bag of deceitful weights? For the rich men thereof are full of violence, and the inhabitants thereof have spoken lies, and their tongues is deceitful in their mouth. Therefore also will I make thee sick in submitting thee, in making thee desolate because of thy sins. Thou shalt eat, but not be satisfied. And thy casting down shall be in the midst of thee. And thou shalt take hold, but shalt not deliver. And that which thou deliverest, I will give up to the sword. Thou shalt sow, but thou shalt not reap. Thou shalt tread the olives, but thou shalt not anoint thee with oil and sweet wine, but shall not drink wine. For the statutes of Omri are kept and all the works of the house of Ahab, and ye walk in their councils that I should make thee a desolation and the inhabitants thereof and hissing Therefore, ye shall bear the reproach of my people. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you once again for corporate worship. Every time we gather around your word, we're both joyful and expectant. At the same time, we're very much aware of the need of our dependence. Again, we ask your blessings upon this service. But it is not meaningless repetition, for we know that without your helping the one that is speaking, as well as those that are hearing, all will be in vain. We ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher, that you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds that you would strengthen us in our inner man to receive the things that you have for us in these verses. We can look back to where our lives were changed in an instant, in a moment of time. We were lost and you saved us by your grace, bringing us into your marvelous light. We were enslaved and you set us free. It is for this reason that we realize what this message at this time could mean to those that may hear it. Those who hear it that may be lost, save them. Those that are saved, may you strengthen us, wash us, correct us, and instruct us. And for all of this, we will thank you and praise you for it's in the name of Jesus we pray this prayer. Amen and amen. As we look at this passage of Scripture, and as we consider what we're going to deal with in verse number 9 down through verse number 16, uh, we look back at what we were gathered around previously as we looked at verse number 8. As we closed out last time that we were around this passage of Scripture, we closed out with verse number 8. And verse number 8 becomes a perfect segue, if you will. Uh, God does not leave anything to chance, but gives us a perfect segue to enter into this next passage of Scripture. He says in verse number 8, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what the Lord doth require of thee. He tells them in this verse of scripture and tells us also to do justly to love mercy to walk humbly with thy God in light of those statements that God makes in verse number 8 consider if you will walking with God as it denotes an active habit it denotes a communion In the common moments of our day. Our walking with God uh, is a continued thing throughout the day. Although there may be some that would humbly bow before God in an hour of prayer. Yet there are some others that will humbly go before God in the presence of meditation. There may be yet others that will work themselves up to draw near to God in some season of religious excitement. But if you take just those three, they all fall short of walking with God. The reason that they do is because walking is a common pace. It's not a hurried pace. It's A common pace. To walk. To walk constantly is what God is dealing with. It is an ordinary rate of progress for us to walk. it, It is that ordinary rate of progress going from point A to point B and getting to whatever place it may be. It does not seem to require great effort for us to walk for us to just walk there's not a great effort that's required but then it is a practical working pace that you and I have as we walk with God it is at this pace at a walking pace that a person can go on and on and on and on they're not they're not worn out because they tried to run, or they tried to extinguish all of their energy, but it's just a walk. And that's what God wants from us. That's what God desires from us. In doing so, it is making a day's journey by sundown. It's being able to to walk that journey and to walk that journey with God. You say, why are you dealing with this? I want us to understand where we are. When God is asking us to walk humbly with our God, he's not asking those things we covered last week, those things of exaggeration or those things of of exuberance. But God's asking us to just walk at a common pace with our God and to walk humbly before him. Being with him on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and again on Sunday. Not just coming in and, and spending the time that we spend together corporately and thank God for the corporate worship that we can have together. That is encouraging. We need that as the children of God. We need to meet together and God blesses that and God uses that in our life. But what God desires from us as an individual is that we walk humbly before our God, that we keep that continual pace with God. Being with him in our buying in and our selling, being with him in our sowing and our reaping, in all that is the acts of our common common life, that is what God desires of us. And that's what God's trying to get the children of Israel to see and what God in turn tries to get us to see as we look at this and as we understand the scripture. We are never, you and I as the children of God, are to never indulge a thought of independence from God as if we are anything apart from God. You and I are nothing apart from God. There is no being on the face of this earth that is anything without God. It is God who gives us purpose. It is God who gives us drive. It is God who works in our lives. And we're gonna see that as we walk down through this passage of scripture. Walking with God involves a profound respect for God's will as well as a glad submission to his will. Yielding both an active obedience and a passive submission to the will of God. Let me say that again. Walking with God involves a profound respect for His will, as well as a glad submission to His will, yielding both an an active obedience and a passive submission to the will of God. May the Holy Spirit of God in each of our lives, may the Holy Spirit of God... Teach us and aid us to have a broken and contrite spirit as we walk humbly before our Lord. That's what God desires for us. The key is in walking with God, the key is all that is inward will be an acting toward others and a moving in all manners of our life. And we will do that under the influence of the Spirit of God. That's how we walk before others. And that's what God's trying to get the children of Israel to see. That's what he's trying to show them in this passage of scripture and you'll understand that as we go down through this. God takes us directly from verse number eight, directly to looking at Israel's unjust dealings And then looking at the punishment for their unjust dealings. Understand this morning that all that is laid out for us in this passage of Scripture is an instruction or a map to repentance. And that's the subject we want to deal with this morning. The subject of a map to repentance a map to repentance in scripture here and always God is a God of repentance and reconciliation and we've got to understand when we talk about repentance that many people look at and consider the word repentance as being negative we're going to look at it in a whole different connotation this morning. We're going to look at it in a different way. Repentance is a change of mind and a change of heart. Wherever you find repentance, you will find a change of attitude. But that is not all that you will find. Repentance always has And causes a change of choices and a change of decision in a person's life. Repentance is a new walk and a new life. Repentance involves the action and God's dealing with us on the level of action in our life. That is what we see in this scripture. God reveals to them and in turn reveals to us through his word what is missing in our lives and what was missing in their lives. God was telling them that this is the reason my judgment is coming upon you. That's what God was telling them. Remember, Micah is prophesying the judgment of God. He's prophesying what's going to happen to the children of Israel. And God in turn is taking this scripture and speaking to our hearts even yet this morning. As we consider what God has to say in his word. God is telling them that this is the reasons for my judgment that is coming upon you. And that you could see if that is the reasons for my judgment. Then the reverse of that could be the reverse of judgment or the not having to deal with God's judgment at all. And that's what I want us to deal with this morning. I want us to look at these verses from a positive standpoint of repentance. I want us to look at this as a roadmap for repentance. God is instructing them as to what He's going to do. But I believe we can look at this passage of Scripture and we can see some things in it that would cause us and should have caused them to drive them toward repentance and drive them toward making things right with God. I want to give you the first point this morning that repentance will mean hearing And fearing the Lord. Repentance will mean hearing and fearing the Lord. Look at verse number 9 if you will. The Lord's voice crieth unto the city. Understand that it is the voice of the Lord that is crying out to them and calling them to repentance. And understand that in light of that, in our life, it is the voice of the Lord that will call us to repentance and will provide for us repentance. God makes a way of repentance. God is, God is a God who is concerned with reconciliation. He's concerned with bringing people back to where they need to be instead of just tanning their hide where they are. God does what He does with a purpose, and that purpose is not, and and I've said this before, it is not as if God is some mean ogre that is sitting in heaven looking for just the right chance to take off his belt and wear out his children. That's not what God's after. God's judgment on his people are to bring them back into fellowship with himself. God is a loving God and he lovingly guides us back into that fellowship with himself. The Bible says here, the Lord's voice crieth into the city. The Lord's voice crieth into the city. This is an alarm. How many times have we set under the preaching of the word of God? How many times have we sat in reading the Word of God and God spoke to our hearts and reasoned with our hearts of things that we need to make right with Him? That's what God's doing. He's sounding an alarm. Stop. Stop what you're doing and look back in this direction. What did He tell them in verse number 8? To do justly. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with thy God. That's what God wanted. That's what God wanted to see in their lives. And they weren't doing that. And God said, I'm sending judgment to bring you back to this. So there was hope. It was even in the judgment of God, there is hope. There is peace. There is deliverance that God's trying to give to his children. Consider what he said as you go on down through that verse. He said, the the Lord's voice crieth in the city, and the man of wisdom shall see thy name. Look at what he says next. Hear ye the rod, and who hath appointed it. Consider in this, as the Lord is trying to Get them to hear and to fear the Lord. There's another place that we find that rod talked about. And it is a contemporary of Micah. It is Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah chapter number 10 and verse number 5 and 6. The Bible says this. O Assyria, the rod of mine anger and the staff in their hands is mine indignation I will send him against the hypocritical nation and against the people of my wrath will I give him charge to take spoil and to take prey and to tread down like the mire of the street you say what are you talking about I'm talking about that what's happening in this passage of Scripture, what's taking place in this passage of Scripture is God is sending Assyria to be His rod. You and I need to understand as we consider this, understand the rod of God and understand who hath appointed it. It is God. Who is using the Assyrians to bring judgment on His people. Now understand in the midst of all of this, in the midst of everything that's going on, in the midst of everything that's taking place, there still is a remnant of people that are still obeying God. But as a whole, they are not. And because... Israel because ethnic Israel is looked at as the people of God and they are people time after time that we look in the scriptures time after time there are people that said they know the God of Israel. They have seen the works of the God of Israel. So Israel cannot walk haphazardly. They cannot walk any way they want to walk. Why? Because that dishonors the glory of God. So God brings judgment upon them to bring them back into line with where they need to be. God is using Assyria. God is using them as an instrument. And here's what we've got to understand and here's what we need to get a hold of this morning. We need to we need to be more concerned with the one who wields the instrument than we are concerned with the instrument be more concerned and and if you want to just put it where we are today I would be more concerned with God's hand in directing our nation to where it is now, I'd be more concerned with God's wanting us to get back to a place we need to be with Him than I'd be concerned with the instruments that God is using to make that happen. I would be a whole lot more fearful of the one wielding the instrument than I am the instrument. If people, if there was someone that that was beating me to death with a baseball bat, I'd be a whole lot more concerned with the person doing the beating than I would the baseball bat. Why? Because if my my relationship with the person wielding the baseball bat changes, the baseball bat stops. And that's what God is trying to get the children of Israel to see and tries to get us to see in our life. Our fear many times, and, and, and you see this all around you. You see it on social media. You see it everywhere around you. Our, our, our fear is misplaced and misunderstood many times. We're fearing, we're, we're fearing the wrong thing. It is, it is our relationship with God that needs to be looked at. It is our relationship with God that is the concern more than it is. And in light of where they are in this passage of Scripture, it is their relationship with their God that is more important than looking at the Assyrians and saying the Assyrians are doing this or the Babylonians are doing this. No, this is God yes. wielding his rod. This is God yes. using those instruments to bring judgment upon us. Understand this this morning. God's threats, God's threats that we see in scripture are not and never will be empty threats. You say, what are you talking about? I'm I'm saying when God says it, you better heed to it. Yes, sir. Amen. Because if you don't, God will follow through with what God promises. Yes, sir. And we're going to see some of the reasons for that in just a moment. But not only do we see repentance will mean hearing and fearing the Lord, but we also see that repentance will mean putting an end to injustice. Repentance will mean putting an end to injustice. Look at verse number 10 and verse number 11. Are there yet the treasures of wickedness in the house of the wicked? And the scant measures that are abominable? Shall I count them pure with the wicked balances? and with a bag of deceitful weights, where God says, are there yet? Are there yet? True repentance will produce a change in our business practices and not just in our words. There was a particular time that while we were in Wyoming, for the, for the period of time that we were there, there were different towns. And, and what those different towns would do many times, especially those stores that were along the interstates, they would have a special price for anything in the store or at the pump. They would have a special price for people that were in town. But they'd have another price for those people that were traveling. And it was, they weren't ashamed of the fact that they did that. They placed prices on shelves so that they could say that the top one went with it if it was people traveling. Or the bottom one went with it if it were people that were the town folk. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about they had an unjust balance. They weren't treating everyone the same. It was almost as if it were highway robbery. What what I'm saying is this, that if we have true repentance in our life, we'll treat everybody the same. We'll, we'll treat everybody in our business practices. We'll treat them the same way. It will not be speaking out of our uh, one side of our mouth for one people and speaking out of one side of our mouth for another That's people. Right. God says that true repentance will bring about a putting to an end the injustices. God's dealing with the injustices of Israel. He's talking about their injustices. Whatever it is that we struggle with sin, are we willing to change our ways and not just our words? Whatever it may be that the things that we struggle with, and every one of us struggle with things in our life, every one of us have those struggles. There there are those that may struggle with this and others that may struggle with that. We have those struggles, but let me ask you a question. Are we willing to change our ways and not just our words? Are we willing to make a difference in those things in our life and not just talk off the top of our head when it comes to religious matters? Are we willing to put an end to the injustices that may be in our life? Sometimes, if we're not careful, sometimes we as the children of God can reason our way through things. We can say, you know, that's not so bad. Uh, that's 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 not so bad, or this isn't so bad. No, listen, sin is sin, and when we're sinning against God, and we're going against what God says, that is That is contrary to what God would have for us in our life. And we ought to be willing to put an end to the injustices. Not only do we find that repentance means hearing and fearing the Lord. Not only does it mean putting an end to the injustices. But in verse number 12 we find that repentance will mean putting an end to deception. Putting an end to deception. Look at what he says in verse number 12. For the rich men thereof are full of violence. And the inhabitants thereof have spoken what? Lies. And their tongue is what? Deceitful in their mouth. We will put an end to deceitfulness. We'll put an end to those lies and being deceitful about things and trying to cover up things. What does God want for us? He wants us to be open before Him. For us to have that walk that we talked about with God. For us to have that continued walk with the Lord. Then you and I need to not hide ourselves away from God. In any avenue of our life. What did Adam do when he sinned? When God came down in the cool of the day. What's the first thing he did? He hid himself. Why? Why? Because he was afraid. Why was he afraid? Because he knew there was something that was not right between him and God. Can I tell you something? We, as the children of God, have within us the Holy Spirit of God, which enables us to know when there's something in our life that's not right with God. Yes, sir. God teaches us that, God tells us that, God instructs us from His Word. And we ought to put away those deceitfulness. We ought to put away those things that are saying, Oh, you know, I can do this or I can get away with that. Put away those lies. Put away that deceitfulness. When it comes to dealing with others, do the same. But when it comes to dealing with God, put away the deceitfulness. Yes. And walk humbly before your God. We are to be lovers of truth rather than truth lovers of lies there was a time when I when I was younger and growing up and brother Ricky can attest to this there was a time when lies and liars were not tolerated you just didn't lie you just walked honestly before others but now it's easy for us to tell a little white lie by the way there's not a little white they're all the same, whether it's coming from my mouth or whether it's coming from a politician's mouth, it still lies, yes sir, and God says to put away that deceitfulness we're not we're not to be deceitful, and we're not to be abide by those that are deceitful. Not only this morning do we see that God is. Telling us that we in repentance will mean hearing and fearing the Lord. Not only will it mean putting away, uh, putting an end to injustices, not only will it mean putting an end to deceptions, but it also, repentance will mean recognizing the source of our leanness. Recognizing the source of our leanness. Look at verse number 13 down through verse number 15. Look at what he says. Therefore uh, therefore also will I make thee sick in smiting thee, in making thee desolate because of thy sins. Why was the desolation? Why did this desolation come upon the children of Israel? Because of their sins. Thou shalt eat and not be satisfied. They shall be cast down, and shall not be uh, shall not be in the midst of thee, and thou shalt take hold at, but shall not be delivered or shall not deliver, and that which thou deliverest, I will give up to the sword thou shalt sow, but thou shalt not reap, thou shalt tread the olives, but thou shalt not anoint thee with oil and sweet wine but Shall not drink wine. They had a leanness. That's happening with them right now. And God was telling them. That they. Repentance. True repentance. Causes us to see the source. Of our leanness. Why are we going through. What we're going through. The Bible said here in verse number 13 through 15. He said making thee desolate because of thy sin. These were covenant curses. They were covenant curses. It was a means when when God was giving, giving them this passage of scripture. Telling them what was going on. And Michael was dealing with them. It was... It was nature itself that was going to stop cooperating. Why was nature going to stop cooperating with them? Because God was going to instruct nature to quit cooperating with them. It wasn't going to be easy for them. He said they were going to sow, but they weren't going to reap. They were going to plant olives, but they weren't going to get the oil from the olives. They were going to make wine, but they weren't going to enjoy the wine. They were going to have all of these things and the leanness was going to be because of their sin. Look real quickly, if you will, in the book of Deuteronomy. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter number 21. Deuteronomy chapter number 21. This is what God's instructing them. And this is where we see that these are covenant curses. Deuteronomy chapter 21. We're going to look at verse number 30 down through verse number 38. Look at what he tells them in Deuteronomy 21. Or maybe I put this down wrong. Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy twenty eight and verse number. Let's look at verse number thirty. Thou shalt betroth a wife, and another man shall lie with her. Thou shalt build an house, and thou shalt not dwell therein. Thou shalt plant a vineyard and shall not gather grapes thereof thine ox shall be slain before thine eyes and thou shalt not eat thereof thine ass shall be violently taken away from the from before thy face and shall not be restored to thee thy sheep shall be taken unto thy enemies and thou shalt have none to rescue them thy sons and thy daughters shall be given unto thy unto another people and thine eyes shall look and fail with longing for them, and the day all the day long, and there shall be no might in thy hand. Thy fruit the fruit of thy land and thy labours shall a nation which thou knowest not eat up, and thou shalt not be only oppressed and crushed always so that thou shalt be mad for the sight of thine eyes which thou shalt see. The Lord shall smite thee in the knees and in the legs with a sore broth uh, that cannot be healed. From the sole of thy foot unto the top of thy head, the Lord shall bring thy king which thou shalt set over thee unto a nation which neither neither thou nor thy fathers have known. And there shalt thou serve other gods, wood and stone. And thou shalt become an abomin- an astonishment, a proverb and a byword among the nations whither the Lord shall lead thee. And thou shalt carry much seed into the field and shalt gather but little end. And the locusts shall consume it. Thou shalt plant the vineyards and dress them, and thou shalt neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes. And the worms shall eat them. Thou shalt uh, that thou shalt have olive trees brought throughout all the coast, but thou shalt not anoint thyself with the oil, for thy olive shall cast his fruit. Thou shalt beget sons and daughters. But thou shalt not enjoy them, for they shall go into captivity. All the trees of the fruit of thy land shall be con- locusts consumed. The strangers of is within thee shall get up above thee very high, and thou shalt come down very low. He shall lend to thee, and thou shalt not lend to him. He shall... Be the head and thou shalt be the tail. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon thee and shall pursue thee and overtake thee till thou be destroyed because thou hearkenest not unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded thee. And they shall be upon thee for a sign For a wonder upon thy seed forever. God made a covenant. And God's people made a covenant with God. And God told them way back there what was going to happen. What's happening? Exactly what God said was going to happen. And they need to understand through that that it is because they did not keep their covenants with God. That all of this has come upon them. Understand that repentance will mean. Hearing and fearing the Lord. It will mean putting away injustices. It will mean putting an end to deception. It will mean recognizing the source of our leanness. But also understand this evening. In verse number 6. Or this morning. In light of verse number 16. Repentance will mean recognizing The true nature of their thinking. The true nature of their thinking. Look at what he says in verse number 16. For the statutes of Omri, what are kept? And all the works of the house of Ahab. Look at what he says next. And ye walk in their counsels. That I should make thee a desolation. And the inhabitants thereof and hissing. Therefore ye shall bear the reproach of my people. God said that they were to recognize. They were to recognize the true nature of their thinking. Whose councils were they walking in? They were walking in the councils of two kings that had been kings of the northern tribe. They were walking in the councils of Omri and they were walking in the councils of Ahab. And in fact, 1 Kings chapter 16 tells us this about Omri and Ahab. In verse number 25 of chapter number 16, but Omri, Omri wrought evil in the eyes of the Lord and did worse. Than all that were before him. Ahab. 1 Kings chapter 16 verse number 30. And Ahab the son of Omri. Did evil in the sight of the Lord. Above all that were before him. Both these kings. Had done evil. Evil. And had done more evil than all those that were before him. Worse than all of them put together that were before him. But what were they doing? They were walking in their counsel. It was their way of thinking. Their way of thinking was that which Omri had told them. That which Ahab had told them. They were doing what those leaders had told them to do instead of abiding by what God said. And for that reason, for that reason, the Bible tells us that God had had brought this upon them because they were walking in the counsel of these wicked men. How many times have we seen ourselves and our nation and those around us walking in the counsel of wicked men rather than walking in the counsel of a holy God? Is that not somewhat where we find ourselves in the day that you and I are living in? We're walking in the counsel of those wicked men, those Wicked people that have set themselves up over us, governing us. But it is not those that we need to be concerned about. We need to be concerned about why God has allowed them to become in that place of rule. Why is that? Because the children of Israel, the children of God, God's people are the ones that have walked away from God. We're the ones that have separated ourselves from God. It is because we have we have worked our lives according to the counsels of men rather than the counsels of God. Understand, we must see our own wickedness. We must recognize our own wickedness. It is almost. I'll give you this and I'm almost done. It is almost as if they had instigated God. Look at what he says in verse number 16. For the statutes of Omri are kept and all the works of the house of Ahab, ye walk in their councils. What? That. Your, your, their statutes are still there. The, you've walked according to the of Ahab and you've done that, that I should make thee a desolation. They have, they have instigated God into what God is doing. In light of the fact that these are, these are people that knew what God said. Did he not instruct them back in Deuteronomy? Did he not tell them the way they should walk? Where are we in our lives? Where have we gotten to in our lives that we're allowing this world to dictate how we live, what we do, where we go? If we were to consider repentance this morning, what does repentance mean for the lost? What does repentance mean for the lost? It means looking to the Son of God as the only Savior of mankind. The lost need to look to the Son of God as the only Savior of mankind. He is the only way. He's the only avenue. There are no, there are no multitude of ways. There are, no, there, there are no councils that are out there. It is, it is the Lord Jesus Christ that can... Give them reconciliation and it is the Lord Jesus Christ that can provide that alone. There is no other way of reconciliation. Repentance will look for the lost. It will be looking to the Son of God as the only Savior of mankind. It will be looking away from themselves and looking to the Lord Jesus Christ. What will repentance look like for the believer? You and I are the children of God. We're the people of God. But mind you, you and I fail God on a daily basis. We fall short, come short of the glory of God on a daily basis. And we as the children of God should recognize and have God work on our behalf instead of going our own way and doing our own thing and abiding by our own counsels, we ought to find ourselves looking into the word of God, finding out what his statutes are, finding out what his commandments are and allowing God to work those in our life. That's what repentance looks like. And God is doing that. Here's what we've got to understand. If you don't get anything else and you miss everything else I've said, don't miss this. God wants repentance. But that repentance is a positive thing. Because our repentance, our our turning away from those things that are wrong, turns us toward God. It's repenting of those things that are wrong, but it's bringing ourselves into fellowship or allowing God to bring us into fellowship with Him. That's what God wants for our life. God is not being mean when He says, don't do this or don't do that. He's He's directing us and telling us those things are not good for us. How many times have the doctors said it's not good to eat this and it's not good to eat that. But yet we go on and eat it and we go on and do our thing. And we end up suffering the repercussions from it. (laughs) Guilty. Mm -hmm. What are you saying? I'm saying that God gives us instructions in the word of God. And he gives us those instructions that we might have a right relationship with him. It is not so that he can Lord over us. It is so that he can be our Lord. And we can worship him. And we can love him. And we can adorn him. And we can magnify him. And we can glorify him. That's what God desires. Is that you and I have that peace with God. That you and I have that rest with God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity you've given us to be in the house of God. We thank you for this scripture. We thank you for the truths of this scripture. Lord, I pray that as you cried out in the city, Lord, I pray that your voice might cry out in our lives. Lord, may it cry out in the lives of those who may be lost under the sound of this message, whether it be In days ahead or as it goes out. Lord, I pray that, Lord, those that are lost may come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would help us as your people. That we would hear your cry. That we would walk close to you. That we would do justly. That we would love mercy. And that we would walk humbly with our God.